0: Well, thank you for joining us. It is seven figures. I am Sandy Waters. The most important things, the three most important things you should know about divorce. I know it's such an ugly word. It's a tough pill to swallow. But when you find yourself in the midst of it all, and there's no way of repairing your relationship You have got to arm yourself with as much knowledge as you can to protect yourself, especially financially. So we're gonna try to give you as much information as we can today. Before we cash in with our expert, I wanna say thank you to our sponsors, Family First Credit Union. From personal banking to business services and home loans, their number one priority is finding a solution that works for you locally. Okay, we bring in our guest today, we cash in with our expert BJ Mann, a divorce mediator. You've been practicing divorce mediation for decades. Um, And most recently now the author of A Better Not Bitter Divorce. Thank you so much for
1: being with us.
2: You're welcome.
1: There is so much information in this book. It is such a good go-to guide if you are unfortunately going down that path where you think your relationship is growing apart. But today, I think we should focus on the three things that you should be aware of financially so you can have a better, not better divorce. If we could narrow it down, is that even possible, BJ? Because I know there's so much. Involved. Well, there
2: is a lot of uh, financial information. It is the the nuts and bolts of the economics of ending your marriage. Of course, that is balanced with the emotional part of ending your marriage, um, which has to do with, of course, kids. But the underlying fear in people when they're living uh, independently for the first time is financial security. They feel if they can be financially secure, they can emotionally help their children as well or heal personally as well. So... The um issues of how much money people are going to share between the two of them is a real um, hard and fearful conversation, which divorce mediation tries to make more gentle and uh, recognizing the practical and the financial. the one of the largest issues that you hear about is child support. Yes. Okay. and uh, child support um, is uh, by and large a myth around what it's supposed to be for. And that the first clarification I frequently have to make in my office is that it's not intended for the direct related expenses of your children. So people add up the haircuts and the extracurricular and the yeah. school supplies and yeah. the school photos and the school lunches. And they say, well, that costs about three dollars or $4,000 a year. So why the heck is child support so much more? Well, the guidelines look at 17% or 25% or 29% of your combined gross income with a little bit of adjustment. Mm -hmm. Um, And that number is generally much larger. For one child, it could be $17,000 a year or two children $25,000 a year. And the payor is saying, what the heck is this money going to? And in fact, child support is intended for household budget items. So if you have one child, they're considered a cost center. So 17% is the New York State percentage guideline for one child. 17% of your mortgage, of your utilities, of your food, of your cell phone, of your car payment, of your repairs on your house are allocated to the fact that you have one child, 17%. And if you have two, it's 25. And if you have three, it's 29. So you can see incrementally more children don't cost more money because the money is intended to help offset household expenses.
0: Now, so even you, if it's
1: split 50-50? Aha, uh-huh. A
2: lot of people ask that question. So let's imagine you have a 50-50 parenting plan, which is wonderfully more and more the norm. You have a week with mom and a week with dad. Well, dad makes and forgive me, I'm just gonna do a little gender mm-hmm. thing here, but it's it's not intentional. Let's say dad makes a hundred thousand dollars and mom makes thirty-five thousand dollars. Well, why would dad raise his children fifty percent of the time on a hundred thousand and mom raise the children on thirty-five? So clearly there has to be some sharing. So when there's a fifty fifty parenting plan, typically the high income parent, in this case dad, is considered the child support payor, and that makes sense. So um, mom and dad might end up raising the children on about $50,000 each, um, however it works out between the two of you. Now, if both parents made precisely the same amount of money, maybe they wouldn't exchange child support at all. But they still, and this is very important, have to figure out how they're going to share the direct-related expenses. Who's going to buy the clothes, the school lunches, the birthday party gifts for other kids, the haircuts, et cetera. Because if only one parent is doing that, then that parent is digging deeper into their pocket than the other parent.
1: So you do discuss those little nitty-gritty details in mediation.
2: Absolutely. We talk about direct-related expenses. We talk about extracurricular expenses. Milestone expenses, which for me are things that are in high school, you know, the yearbook photos, driver's ed, SAT tests. How can you possibly
1: um, come up with every single one of these expenses? Well, you come up with a concept. And the okay.
2: concept is typically we'll share them 50% each okay. when they come up. Um, often they have to be mutually planned and budgeted. So somebody's not signing up a child for scuba diving or a right. very expensive horseback riding, for instance, without the other person's consent. Um, but there's a concept that we create. But there's a difference between ordinary expenses, which child support would typically cover, clothes, school supplies, um, you know, school lunches, birthday party gifts for other kids, versus extraordinary expenses that are usually sports or those senior high school expenses that don't come up all the time. But car insurance, for instance, uh, is also another big one. Will we buy our kids a car? is a big one. So these things as a concept are in the agreement, but child support in the traditional way is intended to offset household expenses. Okay. So that's the difference. So even yeah. 50-50 parenting plans have an exchange of child support when it's appropriate.
1: Now, in New York State, are there laws where one parent isn't paying the child support that they're supposed to. At what point can you fight for their wages to be garnished? And and I don't know. This might be a whole other discussion. This yeah. Might
2: be really well, there's the enforcement of child support is um, pretty classic. And uh, if child support is ordered in a divorce decree, it is enforceable, and okay. there are lots of ways to do that. Wages can be garnished, and the state steps in to really help okay. collect those dollars. One hopes that never comes to that. Yeah. Um, One of the reasons it doesn't come, and parents should be aware of this, you can build modification language into child support. So one of the worries is that, well, we're saying this is my income now, but what if child support could be going on for 15 years? Things change. So in the mediated agreement, we build in a recipe for what would trigger a change in child support. Mm. Did you lose your job? Did you become disabled? Did you get a big raise? Um, What frequency do you want to just look at each other's income and put the marble through the marble chute again in terms of recalculating child support? So a good agreement uh, includes a lot of modification language that brings comfort to both people that, you know, the overtime is not going to be there anymore or uh, all sorts of things that influence income.
1: So the language is already put in place initially so that, Five years from now, you don't have to
0: recreate the wheel. You
2: don't have you build in some good, solid language that everybody understands what the recipe is for changing child support. A mediated agreement is not a static document. It's got a lot of growth language in it.
1: Okay. next thing then, next big financial thing that you should consider if you guys are thinking about a divorce, is what?
2: Well, uh, the other uh, part of financial sharing is that thing called spousal maintenance. Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot of people refer to that as alimony. I'll use that term, but New York State refers to it as spousal maintenance. So above and beyond child support, or if there are no children, um, and there is a large disparity of income, and there is a reasonable length of marriage, both people get to walk away with some income security for a period of time. And that's calculated in New York State now since 2016 by a calculation, and that's new in New York State. So there's, you put both parties' income in there and you'll see if they're a candidate for alimony. So you may be divorcing, but you may still need to pay your husband in this case $5,000, $8,000 Five, $8,000 a year for a period of time, and the duration of that time is also set by guidelines. But typically, it's a third of the length of years you've been married. So if you've been married 10 years, there might be about three years where one spouse may pay the other spouse some additional money beyond child support or if there are no children to get the other person to be ramped up. Now, disparity of income is not the only criteria. There are 15 other factors that influence whether you're a candidate for alimony, but disparity of income is what goes into the calculator. So okay. that's the first gate to see if you're eligible.
1: Okay. And now in 2018, there's new tax laws. Yes. And this really impacts people.
2: Right. The, the new tax laws that were created in December of 2017 are um, have big implications for parents. The notion of who is going to be head of household on their taxes in the future has a real tax benefit. In the past, uh, you were able to have one person be a head of household and the other person get the dependency allowances, which was that, you know, approximately $4,000 a dependent. And somehow that sort of evened out. But there are no more dependency allowances as of 2018. This tax season that we're in right now, when you go to file your taxes next year for 2018, there's no dependency allowances. What happened is they rolled up the dependency allowances and a lot of other deductions into a large standard deduction. So the difference between a head of household standard deduction, which is $18,000, versus an individual filing as a divorced single person is $12,000. That's a big deal. There's one thing that softens that. It's called a child tax credit, and that went up from $1,000 to $2,000, and the person who's head of household doesn't have to be the person who's taking the child care credit. So there's ways of softening taxes, but the tax implications are very different in 18 than they were in the past. So you need some good input. Maybe speak to your tax accountant. Okay. Also listen to whatever your professional mediator or attorney is saying about this.
1: And I know you were saying health care is huge as well, isn't uh, it?
2: Yes, health care is a very large uh, factor. And a lot of people come in thinking, even though we're getting a divorce, my husband or wife can stay on my health insurance, Right. And of course, that's not accurate at all. That would be like me being on that husband or wife's health insurance. You can't have people who are not your spouses on health insurance. So a lot of people choose to process their end of marriage as a legal separation rather than a divorce so that one spouse can stay on their health insurance um, until they're able to find their own health insurance. Not every single employer allows that, but all state and county and city employment does allow the continuation. There is, however, the marketplace, and the marketplace is still a very viable option for people to go get their own health insurance. Okay. Um, but health insurance is scary. Uninsured medical expenses and health insurance for children are shared between the parents And one parent or the other can always keep their children on until their eligibility ends. So there's no way that the children are going to be uninsured. It's the spouse that isn't on health insurance anymore. That's the worry.
1: This must be a really rough time for you right now. If you're very interested in this specific podcast episode you know, all the emotions, all the the, the thoughts going through your mind. But as you say it all the time, you will be able to thrive after.
2: Right. I really think that there's a three-legged stool around divorce. It brings out honesty, it brings out courage, and it brings out resiliency. And you can live and thrive after divorce because you're living an honest and courageous life.
1: How many couples do you have that after mediation, they decide we don't want to do this anymore. Thank you, BJ. You brought us closer together.
2: Uh Well, it happens and I'm, I'm always feeling very wonderful when it does, but more to the point when people come for a consult in my office and I see a little ember still uh, glowing, I absolutely press the pause button and encourage them to go to see a marriage counselor. Okay. I really do support the notion of running the entire marathon and not just getting winded at the 19th mile. Yeah. Okay.
0: So. Well, thank you so much.
2: You're welcome. Thanks.
0: A Better Not Bitter Divorce, A Fair and Affordable Way to End Your Marriage. That's her book. And you can always reach out to BJ Mann, BJmediationservices.com. And now we leave you with one final financial nugget. Wise words from my dad. Father knows best, my dad's two cents. Have a great weekend. Dominate your finances. My recommendation is gain financial knowledge. Don't put all your trust in a financial advisor. You don't have to know everything, but everyone should have a basic understanding. Invest in yourself by listening to financial podcasts, read books read financial articles, and start building the level of understanding that will help you make better financial decisions in the future.